You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Okay, everybody, before we get into today's episode, I'd love to take a moment to recognize our show sponsor, Jane, an all-in-one practice management software. The team at Jane knows how essential privacy and security are for your clinic, and they're committed to keeping your data safe. With Jane, you can rest assured knowing Jane is HIPAA compliant and your data is encrypted with bank-level security and backed up on secure servers. Jane also makes it easy for full access users to set staff roles and adjust the level of access your team has to your schedule, charts, billing, and other clinic-wide settings. This helps maintain the privacy of your client's data while ensuring your staff can still access the information they need. If you're curious to learn more about privacy and security with Jane, head to jane.app slash medical aesthetics to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. Don't forget, you can also mention my code NURSECEO at the time of a sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. All right, let's get back to the show. Hi, this is Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have Alexandria Jones-Patton on with us, who is the owner of Authored by AJP. So excited to learn more about what this is. Um, Alexandria, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so why don't you start by giving us a little bit of background of you as a nurse, um, just kind sure. of a brief history. Sure. So I've been a registered nurse now since 2017. I am a second career I was going to say you're a newbie. <laughs> <laughs> I always knew that I wanted to be a nurse, but I took the scenic route to get here. I tell anybody who will listen, I was one of those people that had a really hard time getting through the science courses, the anatomies, the general chemistries, you know, the things that we kind of sort of use, but not as much when it comes to the critical thinking. But yeah, I've been a nurse since 2017. I, yeah, couldn't believe that I would come out with a PhD in nursing, but here I am. <laughs> Wait, so you what did you go through the whole spectrum of uh, up to PhD, like in one fell swoop or did you how did that work no so i i went through an entry-level msn program at charles drew out in um, los angeles and i was exposed to a nursing research course and ended up doing some type of pilot uh, qualitative data type study with another colleague or classmate of mine who was already going to be going to ucla she knew that she wanted to go and do research and i said oh like this would be this would be nice if I didn't already want to be a nurse practitioner. And then fast forward, I applied to one program <laughs> um, for an NP program, didn't get in. And I said, well, that's fine. I'm going to go do research anyway. I'll come back and touch patients later. And I have not gone back. <laughs> you haven't gotten back to it yet. <laughs> um, it, that's, that's awesome. And the funny thing there is that you took research and embraced it. You didn't run away from it. Like most of, uh, you know, I've taught research, um, you know, in the in academics and most of the students hate me <laughs> I don't know why see you know I've been having a lot of conversations with different nurses lately about all of these different avenues of nursing that we could be into but we're taught so much in the pre-licensure phase to stay at the bedside and 
you know, maybe you'll go and get that nurse practitioner license after so many years at the bedside. Maybe you'll specialize and be this amazing ICU nurse. But there are patients who end up being patients before they come to the hospital. There's so much there that we could be doing to prevent them from coming to the hospital. So I love research, honestly. I, I love it. Yeah, that's so true. And um, you know, the, the funny thing is, like you said, they really push you into like med surge and that should be your thing. And, and nursing is like the one profession where, you know, the average person getting a PhD is like 40, as opposed to every other profession where they come out with a PhD at 22 or something. You know? <laughs> I had that conversation with people too. I am 35 and there's been a lot of conversation. I'm doing my postdoc at Columbia right now, Columbia University. And there's a lot of conversation about just that. Nurses will graduate at 22, right? But then they'll go and have families and they'll raise those families and then they'll put their career on the back burner. And then they decide that they want to come and do research because of what they've seen on the floor or because, you know, the, you know, the wear and tear of the floor is kind of getting to them. So now they're kind of forcing themselves to think about what's beyond the bedside and research comes, but then it takes so long to get through. I, I did my program in a little over three years and I was pushing it to finish my PhD in under four. That's and then impressive. I'm still, thank you. And then I'm still doing a, a two-year postdoc. So really technically I ended up doing five anyway. It's just, it looks a little, the title is different. Things look a little different on this side now that you've got the PhD. Yeah. But it's yeah, the yeah. same conversation. Yep. Uh, no, that's funny. It took me six years to finish my PhD. <laughs> and I saw people finish it in three and I'm like how did you do that I still haven't got my proposal you know set <laughs> come in with a plan <laughs> yep absolutely absolutely um all right so you got your PhD you're working on your postdoc but you also have this business so tell us about what this business yeah. is and and how do we get here so I do freelance writing. So while I was doing my PhD studies I was already thinking about what I wanted to do outside of working for others. I have my MBA and I, I said I was a second career nurse, right? So I went down this whole other pathway. I decided I was going to be a preschool teacher and then that wasn't working. So for whatever reason, I said, let me just go and get a master's of business admin. I have no idea why I did that. But I kept thinking about the degree and I said, like, okay, you have this degree, like, why aren't you using it? And you have this nursing license now, like something has to come out of these two. Can you marry these things? I fell into, I literally fell into freelance writing. I remember seeing some things on social media, people talking about it. And I said, okay, let me explore it. And little did I know there were so many other nurse writers and freelance writers. So that's what authored by AJP is. It's me. I'm writing content that is not so heavily research based and allows other people to know more about cardiovascular disease. That's my background. That's, that's my baby. It's my love. So to get away from doing so much research intensive writing, I get to go and write for the masses and it gives me a little bit of a stress relief. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's so important too, because I mean, we can do research out the wazoo, but um, it doesn't mean anything if we can't get like kind of that grassroots um, you know, adherence to it, because if they don't understand, they're just going to, and even like me and my research, I mean, I taught research and my research, we're all glazed over. 
paper because it's mm-hmm. so like boring. And, and, and a lot of times we're not understanding what the research is saying at a very fundamental level. And you really need that interpreter to come in and say, um, you know, this is what's going on and this is why this research is important. And, you know, not dumb it down, but break it down uh, so that people can appreciate what it means. Exactly. And that's one of the things that I miss most about being at the bedside is that patient education. But it's also one of the most frustrating things that I saw at the bedside. I'm trying to give you 20 pages worth of information about all of these comorbidities, all of these issues. You came in with heart failure. You came in with kidney failure. You came in with diabetes. You're non-compliant. You're partially non-compliant because you can't access your provider. And I have to explain to you in five minutes how to better take care of yourself. And it just doesn't always <laughs> translate, right? Seriously, it, it doesn't always translate. And so sometimes you have to give people other ways of getting that information. Sometimes people are just going to go Google heart disease or blood pressure. Sometimes people are only going to go Google that one symptom. So if I'm producing some type of content where you can easily access that condition or that symptom, I feel like I've done my job as a nurse of breaking down something that's important to you in the moment and you're looking to correct it or figure out what's going on. Yeah. And I think that's really, really hard to do. I mean, it's, it's, you know, yeah. I, I like to say it's easy to write a research project and be scholarly and, and talk in this very high <laughs> language and stuff, but to like break it down. So my, you know, when my son was younger, I read Dr. Seuss book, love Dr. Seuss books, but he had this one medical book that talked about, you know, how the inside, the inside of your body or something like that. And they go mm. through like this body thing and they go through, he breaks down like the different functions of the body to the point that in this is really embarrassing, but I had an epiphany of like understanding how like the body works at some level. Cause I, you know, I knew it like intellectually, but didn't understand it to a point where I could explain it to somebody. And uh, when I read that book, I was like, should I should have been reading like <laughs> Dr. Seuss instead of like it's, my med surge textbook. <laughs> it's so true though. Like when I have to interview people sometimes, and even when I'm writing on a topic that I swear I'm fluent in, it's really nice to go back and kind of force myself to be able to explain things in a simple way. Because even I, sometimes people will send me messages. Well, my doctor says I have this. And I'm like, I haven't been on the floor and touched a patient in this long. And I haven't done anything outside of cardiovascular work since I left nursing school. Like, I don't know what this is. Let me Google. (laughs) But that's what I appreciate about writing for the masses, like writing for general audiences. I'm forced to get back to making things simple because even I I'm not studying the textbook every day, all day, and I'm not on the floor anymore. So it makes it really difficult to keep up with everything that's going on. And I too, sometimes I, you know, I sit in meetings sometimes with all physicians and I'm like, wait, what did they say? What's going on? What's happening? Right. What's, what's, what am I supposed to know? Like, wait, no, like this is supposed to be conversational and I don't understand. <laughs> that's why when I was younger, especially in my thirties, you know, I'd be in these meetings, the same thing. And people are, they're using like a really high level language. And it's not that I don't understand, but like, I don't, I can't follow the conversation. And, you know, people would ask me a question. I'm like, I don't, I don't know, whatever, whatever you guys are talking about, I agree with, because like, I didn't understand. And I was too embarrassed to say, I didn't understand. And now I'm just like, what the hell are you people talking about? Like, can we break this down? Like, what, what is it that you're trying to say? What is it that we're trying to accomplish? Let's, you know, keep it simple. Uh, so that we all know what we're talking about. And, you know, I think that's a huge part. We we do it to the patients without realizing it, saying words like hypertension, which we say all day, all day mm-hmm. long. They don't 
understand what it, it's a concept it's a concept and you right. know if they don't understand that concept then right yeah and it's called medical jargon i think sometimes we're just afraid to say that even as licensed healthcare professionals and sometimes we need to simplify things especially because when we look at medicine and, and science in general it can be so diverse. There's no way you can know it all. So mm -hmm. it's okay to say medical jargon. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, actually, I learned, uh, you know, one thing from one of my neurosurgeons, I, I was neurocritical care. And I remember he went in and when he would talk to patients, and he was really great with the analogies and stuff. And, you know, if the patient had like, um, I don't know, carotid stenosis or even vertebral stenosis, he would say, you know what, you got four pipes going to your head, one of them's blocked. So the other three mm. have to pick up the, you know, and, you know, if you think about it, you have more pressure going in and, and less pressure coming out. And, and I was just like, that is so helpful. Like Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful explanation. <laughs> right. And I, you know, I always remembered it and I used it myself and, um, you know, it's, it's very, very helpful. Okay. So you're busy doing all this school stuff. Uh, you sound just like me. <laughs> I have my MBA and PhD as well. And you know, I don't even I know why I got that. my, I don't even know why I have the MBA, but it's fun to tell Same. people I have an MBA. So. <laughs> Same. I saw that. Um, all right. So, but that wasn't enough for you. So you went, uh, you're in doctoral school and you found freelance writing and thought I should write more <laughs> because writing it's, in <laughs> you know, yeah you know what it, it's a nice break Katie because my research I I'm pretty well vested or invested in cardiovascular disease and one of the topics that I love to discuss and in, in research is actually discrimination and racism and there's different types of discrimination especially yes. and you know we're still having the conversation even at the research level about the different forms of discrimination and whether or not there really is like a clear blue or a true relationship with cardiovascular health outcomes. To be able to go to another world of writing, I didn't even realize I like writing this much until I started the freelance writing. To be able to go somewhere else and just simply talk about these different conditions and even just breaking down one research story and how this might be something that influences you or your family or a loved one. There's no one there to tell me this is wrong. It's published. I can discuss it. You know, when I'm working with certain clients that have their own editorial team and their own, you know, physicians or other uh, medical providers who go behind me and edit final edits before it's published. Nothing ever comes out saying that looks like anything I never wrote. And my name is on it. And it gets to say, I get to say, hey, like, this is still something that's important. Maybe you should be thinking about these particular symptoms, or maybe you should be thinking about ways to improve your health. So that's why I really enjoy the freelance part. I don't have to fight so much. I don't mm -hmm. have to, to 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 argue that there's a relationship with two variables so much that right. that is the crux of of research sometimes yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> but how did you know like when you first discovered freelance writing that you could make a business out of it i didn't know at first so when i was i, I swear to you social media is this insane tool and I don't know what I must have clicked on or what I was searching, but you know, there's algorithms all over the place. So a couple of different nurses and their uh, self-guided courses came through my feed at some point. And 
you know, they come through enough and you say, well, let me dig in and see what this is. Let me see what people are doing. And it just snowballs from there. I took a, a few courses from nurses who have been doing this work and are in, you know, have full blown businesses where they're helping other nurses start their businesses and go into other forms of writing, editing and white papers or what have you, you know, I follow someone recently who was talking about um, getting a client who wanted them to build their website. And I said, wait, what does that have to do with writing? But at the same time, it's in this umbrella, right, of, of tools that we could be doing. Because if you're looking for someone who is trying to reach a particular audience that's related to healthcare, why can't it be a nurse? There's so much there. And that's the beauty of, of nursing, but also the beauty of writing. There's so much there that you could be Invest, investing in and learning more about and your nursing license and your skill set from nursing just ties right into it so well. Yeah, actually, I, I mean, we do websites. And when I first started this a couple of years ago doing the websites, um, I would give the nurses a template and say, okay, you go write the copy and, and send it back. And it was so awful. Um, you know, and I don't just mean like, it was boring, and it was scholarly. And it was like, I'm like, I can't put my name on this website. Like, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> so I had to go out and hire copywriters to do it. Um, and, you know, I, it didn't even occur to me to hire nurse writers. That makes more sense. I mean, it seems like a, a no brainer, to be honest. Well, we're doing uh, patient education all the time, right? So yeah, if we're exactly. saying it, we should be able to put it on paper. And more often than not, we don't realize just how easy it is to translate the verbiage to paper. Right, right. And and I think that's uh, a big problem that people have, because I, you know, if you've ever had to sit down and write a, a research paper, which obviously you have, but, and you're staring at a blank piece of paper, it's like, oh, my God. So to think about doing that as a, <laughs> a profession. <laughs> uh, I mean, did you ever have those moments where you're like, oh, my God, I don't even know where to start, what to write, what to do? Yes. So what I've had to learn throughout my time as a freelance writer, i try not to take on assignments where I am not interested in the topic. If I'm not interested in researching it, if I have no background in it, if I'm just not familiar with it at all, like I don't remember learning this in nursing school type thing, I try to stay away from those because it only takes up more time and then I, I feel sometimes my words that come out on paper, you can tell when I'm passionate about it. it. It's very clear in my writing and in my voice. So if it's not something I'm passionate about or something I find really intriguing, I try to pass up on those opportunities, but still continue to work with the client if there's something else that really is in my niche. That's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. Okay. And how did you find your first clients? Oh, man. So I went to a conference, actually, um, the Association of Healthcare Journalists Conference. They are amazing, by the way, full of healthcare journalists. I, I'm sure you've probably heard of them, but they also have what's called a pitch fest. And it's the perfect place for you to get immediately in front of editors who are actively looking for writers. And as soon as you sit down and tell them that you have a healthcare license of any kind, they are ready to snatch you up. So it, it really is a, a great place to just kind of get your feet wet and determine who's out there looking for nurse writers or healthcare writers with any type of healthcare background and also what you want, because that's the other thing too I'm learning is that this is a, a true relationship, especially as the business owner, I am in charge of what I submit to my clients. So I have to be sure that it's 
to a client that I truly see a vision with and, and value their vision and their work. And whatever I'm putting out, it needs to be something where I feel good about what it is I'm, I, I'm putting out. I need to feel passionate about it. Right. Okay. Um, and what is, so you said cardiovascular, do you write on other topics as well? So my other love that I'm trying to get into a little bit more is mental health. So I, I really, well, first off, we know that there's a lot of research that's coming out now about mental health and its relationship with heart health. We know that the the heart and the brain are constantly talking to each other. And we know that sometimes stress especially can influence our heart health. So I'm hoping to get more into mental health, but obviously the outcome is still cardiovascular care. So, or cardiovascular outcomes. So I think that is my second love, even though it's still, it's tied into heart health. So it, it's just something else I really enjoy. I call myself the queen of self-care prior to moving to New York City. Oh, geez. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've definitely found less time to do the things that I used to do for self-care, like massages and visiting I, wine country. I haven't found that here yet. But. Yeah, yeah. Finding a masseuse in New York City, too. That's like, yeah. oh my gosh. Well, um, challenging. Yeah, <laughs> it's challenging to afford all that kind of stuff in there. It, uh, it sure is. <laughs> um, and on that note, um, you know, is this something that uh, you can do part time? Is it something you do full time? Or you know, what what is the? Um, I'm going to be somewhat crass here, but what is the I, income potential here? I feel like I'm one of the few people who does it full time. Or uh, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm one of the few people who does it part-time and as needed. I, I definitely do freelance writing PRN because my love right now is research. I know of several people who work full-time. I know of several people who are working full-time and bringing in five figures or they're able to replace their income from the bedside. I will say though, it it does take some time to get there. So I will never encourage someone to just run away from their job that's consistently paying them because right. you need to develop your relationships with those editors and other people who are actively looking for writers. And you need to get those anchor clients, those people, those companies that are consistently going to send you work on a regular basis and pay you at a reasonable rate. Right. So I still do, do do it at the PRN level, but I have thought about it. I have thought about going and doing it full time, but I still really love research. So trying to find a way to, to do both. I haven't found it just yet. So right. we'll continue to do it PRN for now. Right. Well, I think it's a nice alternative to doing a 12 hour shift in the trauma oh, nights gosh. or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. As yeah. a former night shift nurse. Yes. <laughs> I value my sleep at night. I didn't realize how much I valued it until I spent several years working night shift. It, yeah. It, yeah. Oh. I started out on night shift as well. And I remember I was the director of a nurse practitioner program and I brought in a Chinese medicine doctor and he was mm. talking about you know kind of that sleep circadian and, and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and he was saying how important it was to sleep at night and one of the nurses raised her hand and said but what about those of us that work night shift and he said well thank you for your sacrifice <laughs> I was oh. like oh god that hurts <laughs> but it's so true <laughs> like you mm. have to sleep at night like you there's well anyway but let me ask you, you this question yeah, you can't avoid it. Um, what is your uh, feeling relationship with uh, ChatGPT and how does that affect your uh, career potential here? 
I have not been impacted by it yet. I have heard that people are using chat GPT. I question how long people have been using it. Now I look at everything on the internet and say, oh man, is that chat GPT or is that someone else's words? Uh, I don't think that there's anything in particular to worry about because from what I have seen with chat, with chat GPT and I, I've used it a little bit myself for other projects it's a good starting place, but I don't think it's going to replace people. I don't think it's going to replace journalists. I don't think it's going to replace freelance writers. I think it's a good starting place if you're having, you know, issues with getting that introductory paragraph, maybe, or if you're thinking about ways to spin a topic and pitch it to someone. But I don't think that ChatGPT is quite ready to replace writers just yet. I don't think right. we're there yet. Okay. Um, so you don't see any kind of decrease in job availability because of it? No, not at this time. I know that, you know, in journalism, there are layoffs, but there's layoffs in nursing too. I mean, it just yeah. kind of, it's like the circle of life, man. It just kind of goes <laughs> around. Seriously, like it just kind of, at, at some point, every industry feels something. We all right. feel some right. type of economic downturn, but yeah. I don't, I don't think it's, it's ready to take over people just yet right. or replace people yet um yeah and, and you know even with with nursing i i remember when i first graduated i graduated in 96 um mm -hmm. philadelphia and the northeast area had such a surplus of nurses that they were mm -hmm. actually turning people away i could not get a job anywhere i couldn't get a job in a hospital in a nursing home assisted living i couldn't get it you know nothing so i ended up moving to south texas but there's always mm -hmm. some place that's desperate for nurses. And, you know, it's kind of like in terms of what you're doing as well, like there might end up being an area that tends to be saturated, but that just opens doors to other niches within your niche, uh, you know, to if you're willing to pivot and change and turn and, you know, find the work because it's there. <laughs> exactly. I was just going to say that I feel like in nursing, especially if you know how to pivot, you won't be unemployed. And if you are willing to take some time to kind of tap into areas that you may be interested in or areas that you've heard of, you know, we don't do the try before you buy thing too often anymore. I, I see some, some nurses who are like, yeah, I spent, you know, three years in this area, another four or five years in this area, another two years here. But Oftentimes we feel like we've got to sit in that one job in that one space and then we get comfortable and then we're afraid to get out and try something new. So if you're willing to pivot, you should hopefully be able to find something that you enjoy and something that will pay you. And I think that's the key is finding what you enjoy, because if you enjoy what you're doing, somebody is going to pick up on that and want to pay you for the service or the product, whatever it is that you're in love with. Yeah, absolutely. Now, is there a favorite type of service or a favorite type of writing that you like to do? Honestly, I actually really like the evergreen articles. I really do like teaching over and over again about cholesterol and blood pressure and putting a new spin on it only because most, I think about most of the patients that I did see, I mean, I, I know I'm still kind of in the newbie phase of nursing, but most of the patients that I did see, they were coming in for the same issues. So I think my 
job is best served to be in a space where I'm consistently talking about these things that we know are killing people daily. We know that high blood pressure is still a silent killer. We know that our cholesterol is going to contribute to heart heart disease. We know that diabetes is a rising issue in a multitude of communities. And if we can continue to have these conversations where people feel comfortable enough to ask questions, that's part of the problem. We can continue to have those conversations in those spaces where people feel comfortable enough to even Google certain conditions and and learn more, then maybe we can kind of slow some of the um, rise of blood pressure and cholesterol and diabetes and stroke and all of these things that we know are heavily related to our behaviors, modifiable behaviors. So I think that's where I'm best served right now. I actually really like the Evergreen articles. Awesome. Um, All right. So, and it looks like you have a couple books out there as well. You want to tell us about those? I have one in particular, uh, The Right Remedy. So I wrote this book earlier this year, actually. And, I and that's was right, bit... W-R-I-T-E. <laughs> yes, thank you. I, I was a little bit nervous to put it out because I knew people would say, oh my gosh, she hasn't been doing this this long. But honestly, this last year, year and a half that I have been writing, there's just been so much that I've learned and I wish I would have had a handbook. And everyone's different. Everyone's going to learn at a different pace. I just put in things that I learned along the way and people that really kind of helped mentor me to get into writing, but also the business side of things. I think in nursing, especially, we don't talk a lot about business. We're not prepared for everything that goes into starting a business, no matter how small we may start. So I put some things together about how to help people get started with a freelance writing business. And if they want to go full-time, they can. I'm not going to tell them that they must because I'm not doing it. I'm only going to tell you what I've been able to do. So hopefully people will want to purchase. It's on Amazon. I see. It looks awesome. Um, and we'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, Thank but you. yeah, this was awesome. And um so what what's next for you? Like what's what's the kind of the big vision for this business or the small vision for that matter? Like you can have any vision. <laughs> you know, at, at this point, I'm thinking about drafting or I'm I'm working on a, a course to go along with the book, but my goal really is to show other nurses different ways that they could be using their license. I think that I'm very blessed to be in this position. I know how long it took me to come to come into nursing and to be granted my license. Um, and I know how difficult the journey has been to kind of navigate my way through. And I want to show other nurses too that if you don't necessarily want to work at the bedside, that's okay. Here are some other ways that you may be able to utilize that nursing license and and really contribute to the safety and the well-being of the public. Yep, I love it. And nursing is so versatile. It's, you know, I always say that if you can't find something to do in nursing, there's something, there's got to be something wrong with you because it goes with everything. (laughs) So much to do. So much to do. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, All right, Alexandria. So where can people find you um, if they're interested in learning more or contacting you? uh, Where do they go? Yes, I am on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn authored by AJP. Uh, You can also check out my website, www.authoredbyajp.org. And yeah, send me a message. I will gladly get in touch with you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.
This is Katie Harris saying thanks for listening. Remember, if you're a nurse who is ready to start this type of business that you heard about here today on this podcast or any other idea that is burning a fire inside of you, let's talk it out. Click the link inside the show notes to schedule your private discovery call with my team. No sales. This call is just to determine what your idea is and if we can help. Until next time, keep making your impact, nursepreneurs.